evening of the retreat. Feels like we've been on a kind of adventure journey. <laughs> maybe roller coaster, maybe uh, going through many realms together over this time. Quietly, but uh, tangibly. <laughs> so um, I just sitting tonight uh, in the meditation, just feeling real uh, sense of cohesion, connection and respect for everybody's practice. And uh, it feels very settled and very deep, powerful to be together <coughs> at this time, at the end of these days together. And, uh, and I'm aware that tomorrow, whatever, regardless of what we say about being present, tomorrow we'll have a lot of you know bubbly energy of getting ready to leave and cleaning up and packing and saying goodbyes, hellos and goodbyes. So, uh, so really savouring this. Uh, it feels like. There's this power that has been generated through us, through our practice together, individually and together. And uh, it's very wonderful, really, to be part of that at this time, you know, actually at any time in the world, but especially at this time in the world of America, where. Um, we're about to enter perhaps a roller coaster of another kind. So uh, it feels very good to be coming together in truth, in uh, silence, stillness, depth, inquiry, and uh, to have had the courage to sit through and uh, see and know and see the change of, of many mind states, many heart states. So it's a, it's a great resource, a resource for us in our lives. Um, there's a question that was, that was written that's been by my seat for a little while that I've been thinking, okay, next time I'll speak about this, next time I'll speak about this. So, this is the last time, so I want to bring it in. <clears throat> so somebody asks, uh, naming me, please, uh, what is meant by mind stream by the Buddha after dissolution of the body? 
So this is referring to a phrase that I used, an expression that I used as, as mind stream. And uh, I think I probably said when the, you know, when the body dies, when we, we lay down the body, then there's the, the, what's, what's in the mind stream is what seeks rebirth. So the Buddha doesn't use this phrase actually, mind stream, but he uses uh, terms something like um, volition, momentum, and uh, then we tend to identify with the thinking mind. You know, it's, it's what gets us through life in many ways, the thinking mind. Um, but it's also, it's also something that's quite vulnerable, as we know, like a brain injury or stroke or um, get you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, many things that can happen to that brain mind, rational mind. And uh, somebody did ask in, in one of the interviews, you know, what about you know, when somebody gets, for example, Alzheimer's, who does that affect the mind stream that, is, that takes rebirth? And so far as I can tell, it doesn't. It's a different part of mind. So um, I've, I've, I know of one monk who uh, had a very pure heart, very bright chitta, and then eventually got Alzheimer's, but the chitta remained bright and pure, and communicated a lot, actually. He could still communicate a lot through the chitta, but the words might be a bit muddled, you know. And also know of a, of, a, of a monk who had a stroke and uh, whose memory was completely erased. Uh, he was a great scholar and uh, a very brilliant man and his memory was completely erased and his response to that was well partly he had a he had a very profound experience of of love come through and of the feminine the power of the feminine when the the rational part of his mind mind was sort of erased then the the more intuitive love aspect came through very strongly and uh, his his comment on it was like what a relief how wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he was very happy. <laughs> so, um, so it's not so much what we do, although it probably does have some effect on what gets reborn, but it's not so much what we do with our thinking mind, um, how we cultivate that, but more how we cultivate the, the heart mind, or the, the, the mind that feels and responds, the intuitive mind. They're not completely separate either, but uh, but this is you know what what is present in the stream of this mind, the mind that that is um, that knows love and knows anger and knows uh, fear and knows emptiness. What is cultivated in, in this mind is is what carries on, so far as we can see. So uh, how we cultivate the chitta is, is very, very important. And uh, I think we can, you know, as people sometimes think, we can kind of get away with things. You know, like when we were children, you kind of get away, you hope you can get away with things, nobody's going to notice. And, and then uh, as we practice, we realize like, well, there's kind of no getting away with anything, really. <laughs> Even if, even if people aren't 
pulling us up on something, it's going to come back to us. And those things that we kind of try and hide and pretend and not show or justify, they, uh, they have their karmic repercussions. So the more honest we can be, the better. Even if it's, you know, I mean, we, we know really, we just sat through tender retreat. Even if what we, what we have to be honest about isn't that great, it's better to be honest than to pretend, you know, to keep a sort of persona going that we're pretending. Um, so uh, how we cultivate the, the chitta is, is very important. And, and I was mentioning the, the sense, that my, my feeling of sitting here tonight in the meditation of a sense of a, a certain power that has been cultivated through our practice together. And uh, you know, when we leave this retreat center, we will meet most likely many challenges, many stimulations, many distractions. And um, what we, how we meet those, is, is really important. So it's so easy just to kind of tumble out of here into, you know, like when we lift the noble silence, like get talking to everyone and, and then get busy and then kind of tumble out of the retreat center into your life and tumble into your life and then, you know, and maybe like a, a sort of a, a little memory of, of what was going on here, but basically just, oh yeah, that's, that's gone already, that's, that's already history, which of course it will be, but still. Um, you know, just to sort of not, not be carrying that power through with you. And uh, so I'd like to really um, encourage all of us really to, to, to carry this power with us as much as we can. Um, the power structure in this country is, uh, in my opinion, alarming. As, as we, you know, approach the, the new uh, presidential term. And it's easy just to give up one's power and just to, to go, oh, you know, oh dear, what can we do? So know the power that you carry with you, in you. The power of integrity, of, of truth, of courage, of love, of patience honesty and take that with you as you leave here and, and uh, step into the world and although we've been on a, a silent retreat and, and we haven't been reaching out to each other in fact we've, we've been making announcements about not reaching out to each other please don't reach out to each other please give each other space <laughs> there's still on a heart level uh, a, a certain um, care I think has been here for each other and please take that too as, as we go out into the world take that that care and you know you can be more active and proactive in reaching out you know in anyone who you feel is um, being um, targeted or is, is feeling afraid vulnerable, you know, reach out and, and connect because this is what's needed at this time. 
um, you know, individually we're we're not we don't have you know we, we can feel very vulnerable and very small and very kind of impotent, but we're not impotent. We're connected to a, a greater power, which is uh, which is tangible in this room at this moment. Um, so take that with you and. Uh, Find ways of, of remembering that every day. So there are, you know, we, we, we here in the beginning of the retreat we took refuge, and there's been it's been mentioned a number of times through the retreat the, the, the sense of taking refuge, and we can't take refuge in the world. The world is ever changing. The world is pretty crazy at this time. And it's, even if it wasn't, it's, it's changing all the time. So we can't take refuge in the world. But we can take refuge in what is true. And we can take refuge in uh, our own alignment with that truth. And, and in community, in friends, in sangha. We can take refuge in those things. And, and to do that each day to, to keep that sense of strength and connectedness. And of course it's going to be dissipated and challenged and so on, but it's like that's why we have a refuge, because samsara is, is this kind of whirling, confusing, endless turmoil, where there are some wonderful bits and, and quite a lot of confusing and crazy bits. Um, that's why there is refuge, refuge in awareness, refuge in truth, refuge in integrity, refuge in spiritual friends. Because without that refuge we're just tumbling around and we could end up anywhere really. And maybe we have in the past. So. Find a way, you know, make, make an altar, for example, like I, for me that, to have a, a shrine or an altar in my room is very important. Even if I'm travelling, you know, I'll take something that can be that. And uh, first thing I do, wake up, get out of bed, get on my knees and I bow to the altar. So I bow to the image of the Buddha or if I don't have a Buddha image, I bow to truth, whatever it was symbolizing that. It's the first thing I do every morning, before I clean my teeth, before I use the bathroom, get on my knees and bow to what is, uh, to, that, to that reminder of what the purpose of my life is. And I don't feel that's just because I'm a Buddhist nun. In fact, I did it before I was a Buddhist nun. But uh, it's it's to remind like what the what the purpose of this life is is to is to awaken and to benefit beings, help each other along. Because samsara is endless, beginningless and endless. This this round of rebirths and. Uh, Goodness knows how long we've been tumbling around in it already. And we do have this 
very, it, I am really feeling the preciousness of this opportunity to be a human being who has heard the Dharma and has the support to practice the Dharma. I haven't always felt that. You know, I had a long time when I felt like, how can anyone even imagine that it's good fortune to be a human being? You know, what a crazy thing to be born as a human being. Much rather be a whale. <laughs> Or a bird, yeah. But uh, now I really am very. I feel very clearly that 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 preciousness of this human birth with access to the Dharma, and uh, and how you know it's not an easy journey to navigate because we feel we feel pain, we feel pleasure, we feel joy, we feel connection. We feel loss, and uh, in this human realm, in every realm actually, but in the human realm, it's it's kind of short. It's it's long enough to really to really make deep connections, and it's short enough to know the loss of those. It's kind of uh, you know, it's, it's painful, and it is, and it's beautiful at the same time. So the, the teaching is in that, of, of loving and letting go, of trusting, of, uh, of aligning, realigning with, it, with what is true. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to go through life just kind of onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And when I look back at this year, last year rather, and... Uh, there is, at the end of the year, I was looking back at the year and it was just like, whoa, you know. That was like a full year. It was, it was kind of packed. And, um, and there can be a missing of the, the opportunity of each day. You know, when we're, when we're onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. So each day, when we, when we sort of break it down into days, we can break it down much smaller than that, but days are kind of handy. You know, a, a new morning. And the people that we meet that day, maybe people we're familiar with, and then some people we, don't, we haven't met before. And then the, the way we are using our mind in that day, the way we're thinking, the, the habits that we're operating from or not. You know, are we just following the same old habits, recreating the same world again and again and again? Or are we actually remembering that there's something that we don't have to do it that way? We don't have to blame. We don't have to defend. We don't have to criticize. We don't have to fear. Or if we fear, we don't have to live from that fear. We, we do fear, but we don't have to live from that fear. We don't have to always take too much, if that's our tendency. And uh, so breaking things down day by day, noticing you know, how, how, like that bowing in the morning for me is, is, a, is a reminder of what this day is for. And then at the end of the day, bowing again, sharing the merits, 
of whatever merits may have been um, cultivating that day, showing the merits for the benefit of all sentient beings, those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile. And then that gives a sense of, partly a sense of, of purpose, for me anyway, um, but also it gives me like a sense of like, to, to see, well, how have I used this day? How much have I just fallen into the old habits? How much have I given in to reactivity? And, uh, and then when I, when I assess in that way, then it's like, okay, so I've got some merits to share. I could have probably made a bit more, but I've got this much. And then if I actually do that, then it's an incentive, you know, next day to be a little bit more careful. But if I just live day to day like, oh yeah, tomorrow I'm going to do this, or oh, that person's like that, and, oh, and I keep the story going, then I, I miss those opportunities. And, and I keep recreating the same reality again and again. Um, so it's an it's a opportunity you know, to, to have those markers like the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And just, just to see how, what have I done with this? You know, I often mention that Groundhog Day is a really wonderful Dharma movie, you know, where you just get that chance again and again and again. And living in a monastery is very much like that. <laughs> Oatmeal, okay. You know. <laughs> it's uh, and the same people. You know, it's, it's Groundhog Day. And then, what are we learning? Are we just recreating the same unsatisfactory experience again and again and again? So, uh, so we all have it. We all have the same old Groundhog Day. We just you have a bit more. You can make it look a little bit more different, <laughs> but it's not so different. And then you know, if if we if we do this, if we actually genuinely pick up this practice in this way. And it's not something we have to prove to anybody or, or show anybody or be approved by anyone that we know, we know inside, whether we're doing it or not. And people will notice also, people around you will notice whether you're doing it. Um, but you know, when we cultivate in this way, then we are changing what is going on here in the chitta. So at first there may be the same old irritations arising. Fears arising, anger arising, greed arising, and the same old stuff arises. And if we keep meeting it in the same way, it will keep arising more and more strongly. And get more and more permission to be here. So if we meet those, those same old familiar things in, in a different way, they will start to change. And, uh, and that mind stream, as I, I use the term, Changes and, and what we carry through our life, and then after our life has ended, this life, um, you know, we've, we've we've influenced that in a in a wholesome way. So there's a teaching that I also often mention that that's uh, supposed to have been said by all the Buddhas who have ever been. It's very very simple and very uh, all encompassing. Um, which is uh, to refrain from doing harm 
intentionally doing harm, uh, to actively do good and to purify the mind. So it's very, very simple. But if, if we actually apply that to our daily experience, momentary experience, it, it changes things profoundly. Refrain from doing harm to oneself and others. Do good to oneself and others. And purify the mind. So purifying the mind is what we've been doing on this retreat. Bearing with, witnessing, allowing, letting go. That's purifying the mind. And there's another little teaching that's also coming into my mind, so I'm going to say it, which is um, that hatred never ceases through hatred. Uh, the actual translation is only through non-hatred can hatred cease. This is the eternal law, or the eternal truth. Hatred never ceases through hatred, only through non-hatred and hatred cease. This is the eternal truth. It often gets uh, translated as only through love, because that sounds lovely. And it's true. But in a way, when you put the word love in there, it, um, you know, we can easily just think, oh yeah, I know what that is. Okay, I've got to love. I, I'm really feeling a lot of hatred, and I've got to love. You know, and it's like, it can be a bit too big of a leap. So uh, I reflect on this teaching quite a lot, and um, I see it as you know, it's not just hatred, but it's also aversion. You know, that, that resistance and aversion, not wanting. And um, non-hatred, if you reflect on it, what is non-hatred? Compassion is non-hatred. Generosity. <coughs> Patience acceptance, willingness, letting go, all of those are aspects of non-hatred, as well as love, as well as uh, equanimity, as well as uh, gladness, appreciation. It's, it's like, when you start to reflect on it, you, you, don't, you know, I don't have to do it all for you, you can reflect yourselves. And it's like that, that um, that opening of non-hatred is huge. It's like it covers so many things. Um, so, rather than you know meeting the challenges of of one's experience with aversion, resistance, fear, hatred, which is quite easy to do at times, then we we look at well, what is what is what would be the response with non-hatred. Just look at what would that response be and just see what, what's, what fits in the moment. There's many, many, there's a huge variety of things that will fit under the non-hatred category. So what, what is right in this moment? And uh, I think we've had enough practice, um, you know, of, of knowing what it feels like, knowing what the, the aversion feels like, the resistance feels like, the hatred feels like. 
I think we, we kind of probably know what that feels like now. But uh, so then, so that's also important, you know, that we know, we, we recognize when it's arisen, otherwise we're just operating from it. We, we recognize when that has arisen and then we just reflect on that teaching. You can use it as a mantra, sometimes use it as a mantra if I think a lot of resistance. Hatred never ceases through hatred, only through non-hatred can hatred cease. This is the eternal law, this is the eternal truth. It's profound. So, uh, you know, if we really practice in that way, things start to turn around. They turn around within our own hearts and they turn around in our actions and speech. And, uh, and then we can, then we're accessing our own power, our own integrity, our own strength, and we're bringing that into the world and not just feeling helpless under a, um, you know, a large world power or many world powers. So um, please, you know, use your creativity and your ingenuity to find ways to, to keep reminding yourself of what is true and what really matters. And, you know, we have the, the robes and live in a monastery and we're surrounded by reminders with the teachings of the suttas. And we're surrounded by reminders and we still get lost, you know. So, find, find things that are meaningful for, to you, that will remind you of, uh, of your true potential and to, to keep realigning, redirecting your mind stream in that direction. And uh, on the retreat, you know, we've been living a renunciant life over these days. And uh, tomorrow you'll be able to put down the renunciant precepts and, and take the ethical precepts, the, the, um, the precepts of, of non-harming. So, I, 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 don't, I don't really think, I'm not sure that anyone here is going to do that, but I just want to say in case, you know, sometimes when we go on retreat, you know, we live in, in this more renunciant way, then we think like, okay, that's the way to do it. We've got to try and recreate that in my life outside. And then we can kind of get ourselves into knots, you know. So, certain level of renunciation is important, like, you know, around the five precepts, very important. Especially the first four, but all five, really. Um, but uh, we don't have to try and recreate this in our lives outside, you know, there'll be other supports and resources and uh, opportunities and blessings that will come in your lives, each of you, uh, that, that, that maybe we don't access as monastics, so don't, don't, uh, don't cut too many things off with the idea that you're supposed to be a renunciant. You know, use what is appropriate in your context.
So I don't have much more to say, but uh, I, I just really, I really wish that uh, each of us um, takes with us what has been learned, and it feels like it's very on a very deep heart level. Uh, takes that with us and nurtures it, guides it, encourages it. And that we, that we reach out to each other and to people in our communities and people outside of our communities with kindness, with encouragement, with uh, friendliness. Because this is the time that that's needed. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.